it seems a long reading. Um, I was interested in the rest of the chapter so we can see what follows on from the events that we're focusing on today. The main focus is going to be from verse 1 to verse 17, where Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. But it was worth looking further to see what happens immediately after, to know that this is the same Jesus who knows one of those whose feet he's washing will betray him, and the other, the one who protests, will deny him. That is the context for what we're focusing on today. I had a story once told of a military rescue team who was sent to rescue some prisoners of war who had been held for a long time in a very tough camp. When the liberators had overpowered the guards, they made their way into the holding cells. The prisoners had been kept in such poor conditions, they had been tortured one by one before being left naked in a cold, damp and dark room for months on end. When the liberating soldiers came in, they called out to the prisoners to come out of the cell. But the prisoners, scared by all the commotion they had heard outside, had hurdled together and were crouched down, trembling in silence, unsure of their fate. After a few minutes, the officer in charge of the rescue asked his men to withdraw and continue securing the perimeter of the prison camp. The officer went on and put his weapon down, and then slowly took his uniform off until he was just in his pants. Then slowly he crept closer and closer to the prisoners before crouching beside one of them. Then after a few minutes, he reached his hand and held the hand of the closest prisoner to him. When this prisoner felt the hand, he opened his eyes and saw another half-naked man. He stopped trembling. Then the officer got up and led the prisoner out of the room. He did the same thing for each of the prisoners until the cell was empty. When I first heard this story, it moved me. Though the prisoners were liberated, they were so wounded from their experiences in captivity that they couldn't comprehend the fact that they were free. With their uniforms and guns, the liberators looked just like their captors. It took a deep, empathetic expression of vulnerability and care to assure them that the worst was truly over. You see, power looks like power. The power to save can still frighten. This is why the sight of armed policemen is both reassuring and stress-inducing. Today's reading, what we remember and celebrate this weekend, what the Christian faith is all about is this unique thing in history where the ultimate power reveals himself to be completely and thoroughly love. We are in Jesus given the definition of love. We are shown what love looks like, how love acts, and more importantly for us, how hard that love can be to receive. We're also shown, and this is where our focus in our passage today is important, we are shown that like the prisoners, our lives need this love in order to make sense. Our lives need this love in order to have any meaning other than the bondage to the things that we're always wrestling about. Our lives need this love in order to be truly set free. And there are three movements to my reflection on our passage, movements which I hope will help us work out whether when the time comes to let our feet be washed, we will be letting our hearts and minds be washed too. The first is Passover, the second is Christ's passion, and the third focuses on Peter. 
Passover. Roughly 1,500 years before the events of tonight's reading, the Israelites enslaved in Egypt are crying out for help. So God sends Moses, Mr. Basket in the river, to go and ask Pharaoh to let the people go. Pharaoh says no, so God sends nine calamities or plagues to show Egypt that he has the ultimate power to free his people. But the Egyptians are stubborn. They want to keep power over these Israelite lives, subject them to slavery and torture, and treat them like livestock. So God sets out to display to Egypt that he has the ultimate power, power to decide who lives or dies. He instructs the Israelites to mark their homes with the blood of a lamb so that when the angel of death passes over Egypt, he wouldn't enter into the houses of the Israelites. And that night, every firstborn in the homes where no blood was on the doorposts dies. This display of power enacted on a people nine plagues stubborn, nine plagues stubborn, shows the Egyptians who they're standing against. Here's a question. Why does the lamb's blood work to protect the homes from the angel of death? Why does it work? It works because it is evidence that death has already occurred in those homes. If you put empty recycling bins out, the workmen won't take them to empty them. They'll see them and move on to your neighbor's house, move on to your neighbor's bins. In the same way, God made it so the angel of death was made redundant. He was out of a job when he came to Israelite houses. But for this to be true, and this is important for us, the lamb whose blood was used had to die. The Israelites were told by God to eat the flesh of the lamb. Effectively, when the angel looked at Israelite homes, all he saw was dead lambs. They were one body because they shared in one Lamb, they shared in the lamb's death and were spared their own deaths. The lamb had to die. Passion. The wise men, when they came to see baby Jesus, the baby Jesus, brought myrrh and oil to anoint his body when he died. John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus, declares, Behold, the lamb of God, making clear Jesus' ultimate mission and destiny. The Jewish way to get forgiveness involved the sprinkling of the blood of a slaughtered lamb on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies, the most sacred part of the temple. So to say that Jesus was the lamb of God was to make known that he was the one to die and in so doing, liberate God's people from their bondage. Everybody dies. Some people die for others, but only one person has been born with the sole purpose of dying for everyone. This lamb of God had to die. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to be a lamb that whoever believed in him, ate his flesh and placed his blood on their lips shall have the angel of death pass over them. Thus, the sting of death will have no effect. And those who received this lamb to their bodies, he gave the right to be called children of God, like the Israelites, no longer slaves, no longer bound, but led as with the resurrection out of the dark, gloomy tomb into a life abundant so jesus knowing that by the next morning he would have been betrayed and alone he was the lamb about to face torture and execution knew that and as john puts it here the time had come for him to leave 
this world. He wanted to make one thing clear. The God who rained plagues on Egypt is powerful, but our salvation rests in his love. He wanted us to know the character of the one who liberates us. If not, he would have just gone straight to the cross and not had this happen, which we are looking at tonight. To the prisoners in the cold cell, who it was that came was more important than how. Who it was, the character of the person who stripped and came and stood beside them was more important than the gunshots and the bombs that were going on outside. The how, like the crucifixion or the sound of guns, is scary. But the who gives the right lenses from which to understand what's happened and what it means for you. And Jesus combines the story of Passover and the knowledge of him being the lamb by doing this washing of his disciples' feet on the day of Passover. Peter If I came to your house for dinner in those days, we would recline around a low table with our feet stretched. Stretched. Can't do it with the lectern. Having walked around in sandals in a dusty country, my feet won't be the thing you want to see while you tuck into your bread and hummus. So it was custom to get one of your servants to wash the feet of your guest. This job would often fall to the newbie, the lowest servant, the one probably who cleaned the toilets and the stables. But here we have fishermen. Uh, who are the lowest of the low? Almost. Watching their teacher, their hero, their mentor, the one who they've seen heal many, raise people from the dead, the one they've seen show power over evil spirits, the one they know to be the promised king of Israel, him. They watch him take his outer robe off and wrap a towel around his waist. They would have seen many servants do this. He pours water into a basin. They would have seen many servants do this. He then moves the basin to the feet of the first disciple. This makes no sense. Then Peter asks the question. They're all wondering, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Are you going to wash my feet? Translation. How can I call you Lord and then let you do for me what the lowliest servant does? Jesus, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with this. Chill out, Peter, Jesus replies. You're not going to fully get what I'm doing right now, but later you will. But Jesus, you're greater than I am. I can't let you wash my feet. Then Jesus drops the bomb. Unless you let me wash you, you have no part in me. What Jesus is saying here carries the heart of my reflection on the passage. And this is the line I'd love us to take with us. Power liberates, but love sets free. See, liberation is an event. It's an event. Freedom is a continuous effect. It is a life. The cross, the event, is our liberation. The resurrection is a display of power. A clear display of power. But it's the character, the character of the one who dies for us. 
It is the character of the one who is raised for us that truly sets us free. Unless we are loved and know ourselves as loved, we never leave the cell. Because all we see is a man with guns and bombs. And for us, naked, shivering, in a cold, dark room, that is not freedom. That is just another person with the potential to keep us captive. If you want to live free and not be a freed prisoner, shivering in a cold cell, you have to take the hand of him who comes to you. You have to have your feet washed by this lamb. If God confronts you in the fullness of his power, you will quiver in fear and not be a son, but a slave. But if God steps down, as described in Philippians, from heaven and takes the form of a servant, then you have someone whose character you can trust, whose care you can hope in, who will lead you out of the cold and into everlasting and abundant life. Peter, you will not be free. You will not live free unless the servant king, the loving God, frees you. Frees you not just from death as the lamb who is slain, but in the example of this. Frees you from pride, which is the source of fear. Tonight, I'd love us to recognize that it's fear of shame, and this happened for me last year and has happened to me year after year, It's fear of shame that makes giving my feet to be washed a tough job. It isn't the shame of the person washing my feet, but my own at being known in such an intimate way. Please hear the words of Christ here. Unless you know that he knows you that deeply, you won't see the depth, the impact of his death. For you, you won't see the freedom that comes from it, and your life will have some quality of the prison of pride and fear and the fear of shame instead of the joy of being led from death to heavenly places in Christ, clothed in righteousness and named a child of God, an heir in his kingdom. The body is washed by blood by the Passover lamb, the soul is refreshed and reprogrammed into freedom by the character simple acts of love from the servant king and there is no love like this our queen might change your circumstances but she'll never make herself less than you neither will she invite you to live with her or give her life in exchange for yours christ does this and kneels before you to wash your feet and in lifting your feet to wash them he symbolically shows how he gets beneath us Going from God to man to servant to dead man to buried man. So that he may raise us with him. And where he goes, we go with him. Lifted by him. It's fitting that we have communion today also. So bring who you are. The lamb has died. The liberation event has occurred. Become one flesh in him. By eating, paint the door to your heart in his blood by drinking. Rest in the truth that the angel of death has passed over you. You are washed 
you've had your bath. Then with your body clean, submit your soul, the part of you that, no pun intended, your soul, the part of you that walks the beat. Submit that to refreshing and reprogramming so that your freedom may be true. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.